Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Yeah, he's, he's good. He tells some good stories. But I think you need to add a couple of these other things to your life if you're going to be more holy and have a closer relationship with God. And the people are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And so Jesus moved from it being Jesus period to Jesus and. And so it looked like Jesus and you need to worship some of these angels because these angels are the real communicators to God. It looked like follow Jesus and live very strict, disciplined lives in which you can't really enjoy much of life at all because that's the way that you live a most holy life. So the people are like, okay, I need a long list of not to do's. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do that. There's this idea of a strict adherence to human tradition and reasoning. And so it's in Paul's letter of Colossae, we see Paul strongly intersecting the culture that's there. And in many ways today, we live in a state that's similar to Colossae. We live in a very pluralistic society. We live in a society where it becomes very easy for Jesus to not seem to be enough. It can be very easy for our lives to move from Jesus, period, or Jesus only, to Jesus and. You know, I know a lot of people where it's Jesus and Eastern mysticism, or Jesus and Buddhism, or it's Jesus and New Age meditation, or it's Jesus and moralism, or it's Jesus and I'm a good person, or it's Jesus and whatever else I want to do. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm good with Jesus and all of this stuff that I want to do on the side. And so this is very much our reality, and it was the reality of Colossae, when in the nature of the book that we will find is that it should be Jesus, period. No commas, no ands, just Jesus is the point of our being, the point of our existence, the point of our worship. And so the purpose of this letter is to encourage the believers of Colossae to begin to continue in the truth of the gospel that they first received through Epaphras. And the gospel that they received initially from Epaphras was that Christ was supreme, that Christ was greater than all the, the fears <laughs> and different ph- philosophical methods that were around in their day. And that it was through him that people were able to receive eternal life. And so it's in this place of Christ's supremacy that Paul is trying to encourage them to turn back to and that it's in deep relationship with Christ that we would find true love and true peace and true faith and hope. And so that's the purpose of this book of Colossians, just so we kind of have a a working background of like, who is Paul writing to? Why is he writing them? And what's going on? And so this morning we're going to read Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and then we're going to teach on 1 through 8, and then next week we're going to teach on 9 through 14, and we'll read 1 through 14 both weeks. So if you guys turn to Colossians chapter 1. It says this, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved and fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf <laughs> and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And also, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for that all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. And he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, <laughs> to, for Paul and his faithfulness to the church in Colossae. And God, we pray that you would open our ears and open our minds and open our eyes to the wisdom and the words and the truths that you have for us to learn from this letter to this church in the middle of Turkey. God, we pray that your grace would be upon us and that you would continue to transform us and grow us as we go out from here with holding only solely to you and that we would let go of anything else that we're holding on to and holding faith in. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. And so in this passage, in this passage, especially what we're going to look at today, verses 1 through 8, what I find is that when we look at our relationship with Christ and Christ's supremacy over all things, that in him we receive a greater identity, a greater community, and a greater purpose than what we have ever realized on our own. And so Paul begins this letter by kind of explaining his own personal relationship with Christ and how his identity has changed because of Christ. He begins the first sentence of verse 1 <coughs> is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now this word apostle means quite simply messenger. And so around the time, there was a lot of apostles. Anyone that was a messenger at that time would have been labeled an apostle. But this language, apostle of Christ Jesus, kind of is its own title in and of itself that's very specific. And it's very specific in the sense that it is only those whom Christ has chosen to be apostles that can lay claim to this title of apostleship. And so we have the 12 disciples, or the 12 apostles, minus Judas, um, plus the one they voted in, and then there is Paul. Um, and Paul is converted on his road to Damascus. That's the name of our church, Damascus Road Church, where Paul receives his conversion, where God speaks to Paul and transforms his life in an instant, in which Paul became went from being an enemy of the church to a friend of the church and to one of the greatest... <coughs> messengers of the gospel to the Gentiles. 
which is including you and me. And so Paul has this title of Apostle of Jesus Christ, but it was nothing that Paul earned. It was nothing that Paul achieved. He was just doing his due diligence of going and killing Christians. And Jesus comes and blinds him on the road to Damascus and transforms his life forever. And he gives him the title and the authority to be named an apostle of Christ. And so if you think about Paul and his situation, Paul's identity becomes far greater than what he could have ever imagined on his own. He would have never imagined himself being called an apostle of Jesus Christ, as he was an enemy of those who called themselves apostles. But yet, it is by Christ and by the greatness of Christ that his identity becomes greater than what he ever could imagine. Now, Paul continues in this opening address, and he continues by saying um, to the believers in Colossae, he says, you who are the faithful believers in Colossae, he calls saints. He says, you are the saints, to the saints and faithful brothers in Colossae. And this term saint means holy ones or set apart ones. And I think normally when we think of saints, we think of those people who have lived extraordinary lives of faith. We think of Mother Teresa. We think of those who are of the faith who um, had faith in works far greater than our own. And if I were to go up and ask you and say, hey, do you, would you consider yourself a saint today? You'd probably be like, no, 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 no. I'm, the, I'm like the furthest thing away from a saint. But when we look at this text, when we look at whom God has called saints, it is those who are believers. It's those who have found their identity in Christ. And so when Paul says saints and he greets the people in Colossae as saints, he's not saying Welcome to you guys who are extraordinary in your faith. But he's saying, welcome to you guys who have found your faith in Christ Jesus. Because this holiness, this set-apartness, is not something that we achieve based on by meeting a set of moral standards. It's not by something that we can achieve at all. Really, to be called a saint or to be claimed as holy is a work of God. It is to, in a sense, to be holy is this idea of being claimed by God. Whenever you hear of the word holy, oftentimes it's associated with something that God possesses. So when we talk about you know, the, holy of Mount, the holiness of Mount Sinai when Moses is going up the mountain, it's because God's presence is there and he has claimed that mountain for that time. When we talk about the holiness of God's word, it's because it is his words and he claims it says the Holy Bible on all of our Bibles. It is God's words. He has claimed these words. And we are God's holy people. We are claimed by him. And so in many ways, Paul's story of his identity changing because of Christ is also our story. As Paul gets the name apostle and the position of apostle, we are given the name saints. And we are called holy or claimed ones, not because of anything that we can do, but because of what Christ has done in us and through us, because Christ is greater and that he conquered sin and death on the cross through his love. And so we have been given a new identity, an identity that probably we would never dream of. I know I do not think of myself often enough as a saint, as one who is claimed by God, 
by one who is possessed by him. And I'm reminded by the verse of, you are not your own, but you are bought with a price that comes from 1 Corinthians. And this is kind of that idea of what it means to be holy, of what it means to be a saint, to be claimed by the God who created the universe. And so I want us to kind of sit in this idea of because of Christ, because of the greatness of who Christ is, we've been given a greater identity than what we could ever think or imagine. That our God would see us in our wretched and unholy state and yet still claim us as his own and wash us as holy. But our identity doesn't end there. We are not created holy <laughs> just for the sake of being holy or just for the sake of being claimed by God, but rather there's a greater purpose. And this greater purpose is found when a body of saints comes together in community. And these people that are claimed by God, when they come together in community, they begin to serve and love and take care of one another. And so Paul says <laughs> in the next in verse 3, he says, We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that when we pray for you, since we've heard of you in faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have had for all the saints, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. You see, what Paul is doing here is that he is encouraging the church because of how obvious it is that the Spirit of Christ is moving through them. What's happened is that Jesus Christ has come and he's given them a new identity and they're living out that identity and they're, they're called saints. And not only are they living out their identity of sainthood so much, but they're living it out so much that they are loving and taking care of one another. So much so that Epaphras, who's there with them, teaching them, takes notice. He's like, man, these guys love each other. They take care of each other. They forgive one another. They serve one another. They don't argue or fight with one another. They really have each other's backs. And so he goes and reports this back to Paul, and Paul is encouraged by it. And Paul kind of, as he's writing Coloss the Colossians, he encourages them by bragging them up, saying, look at what I've heard. I've heard that you love each other and take care of each other so much. And I just, I thank God that Christ has made himself known and evident to you guys in that way. I mean, how encouraging do you think that would be for Colossae to receive that? I mean, for, I just think of it in my own life. Like, how cool it would it be for someone to not know me, but to have a friend who knew me, and they knew that friend, <laughs> and that friend bragged about me to that friend, and they, they were like, oh, you must be Justin. You must be Justin, because I had a friend that said he had a friend that was Justin. He said you, you, you were just like him. I think that's what Paul is saying to Colossians. He's like, to the Colossians, he's like, man, it is evident that Christ is working among you guys for the love that you have for one another, the support that you have for one another. And so we are called not only to a greater identity, but we're also called into greater community with one another because of who Christ is, to love and serve one another. It's a community that is probably greater than what they could have imagined in the first place. Because without Christ, they were probably in this place where they were alone, they were isolated, they were desolate. Sure, they were in community, but they were not in a community that was dedicated towards one another, that was dedicated to the point of saying, I am with you in this. No matter your trial, no matter 
your need, I am here and I am with you and we will support one another. And so because of who Christ is, we've been called into greater community. And so what naturally happens then from a community that is growing in love and growing in care for one another, in which Christ's love and gospel is made present, what happens oftentimes is that love and that grace overflows. It overflows into the surrounding community, and it provides a greater purpose for that community. So we're not called saints just to be claimed by God, and we're not called saints just to be called into a community, but we're called to be saints, and we're called into a greater community for the purpose of living out a greater purpose, and that is to serve and love our neighbors that are around us. And so Paul encourages them this in this in verse 7. He says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. And so it's in Christ we're given this greater identity, and it's in this greater community that we are called to fulfill an even greater purpose, which Paul calls the fruit of the gospel. <laughs> and so what we see are our lives transformed, and we see a community that's transformed that then goes out and transforms the world around them. And Paul continues in his encouragement, and he points to this guy named Epaphras to kind of be their model, to be their model of like, this is how this transformation and this outpouring of the gospel works out. And so he says this, he says, just as you, just as you have learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, as he's been a faithful minister to you in, on your behalf, he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so we see Epaphras as an example of one who's dedicated himself to this greater purpose of making the gospel known. Epaphras um, in Acts is sent by Paul with Timothy to go to Asia Minor which is this area in Turkey, and to go and witness and to set up churches. And so here Epaphras has found success with the Colossian people, and he ministers to them, and he invests in them, and he takes care of them, and he, and he leads them, and then he leaves. And he reports back to Paul the good news of Christ moving in Asia Minor. But Epaphras is this example of the one who's kind of dedicated himself to this greater purpose of the gospel going forth around the world and bearing fruit. So I don't know about you, but I want us to take a time to kind of like stop and think. Because I think if we think about it, there are many Epaphrases in our own life. There are many of those who have been redeemed by God, whom we would call saints, who has served faithfully in community with others, and who has come into our lives to encourage us in the moments that we needed them the most. Maybe it was the person that brought you to faith to begin with. Maybe it was the person that, in your moment and season of darkness and doubt, came and served you and stood beside you, cried with you, made meals for you, took care of you, heard you, loved you, loved you when you couldn't love yourself. And so I want us to take a moment and think, who are the Epaphrases in our lives? Who are those that we would give thanks to God for? Who has been faithful to this reclaimed purpose, to this greater purpose? I want you to kind of create a list in your head. 
through these people who have been faithful to you. And as you think about these people, I want you to think, what was it about these people that made such a difference in your life? What were they like? Why was it so important that they came and showed up when they did? What was their motivation for showing up? And as we're thinking of our Paphroses who showed up in our lives and why they showed up and how they loved us and took care of us, I want us to ask ourselves, how might God be asking us to go and be an Epaphras for someone else? Where is he calling us to go and do that for someone else? And the kind of like full disclosure, full transparency, like, If it wasn't for God getting a hold of my life, I don't know as if I'd be standing here in front of you guys. And it wasn't because I one day was like, I'm going to dedicate myself to the cause. But it was because God worked his grace into me so much that I just couldn't refuse it. When I was in high school, all I wanted to do was go out, become a lawyer, make a bunch of money, and enjoy the pleasures of this life. But God would not let me go for as much as I tried to get away. And he sent a bunch of Epaphroses into my life and guided me, which I believe ultimately to hear, to to hopefully serve and minister and love you guys and to share his love and to also receive his love from you guys. This is an incredible community that we have here at Damascus Road. It's one that I think that if you're a part of it, you can't help but say, man, I've been blessed by these people. These people have my back. And so I'm just asking, where is God calling us as a community to go next? Where is he calling us to go and be Epaphroses for other people? Maybe where we don't want to go, but we feel and hear God calling, say, they're that person over there. They're that family over there. They're that community over there. And I think a lot of times this being an Epaphras for somebody else is incredibly, incredibly practical. I think sometimes we think that if we're going to be a true Epaphras, we have to be a missionary, that we need to sell all of our things, that we need to go across the country, that we need to not just send people to Africa, but we need to move to Africa. And maybe for you, God is calling you to do that. Maybe he is. But I think a lot of times it starts much more simply. And it starts much more practically. And it starts with a conversation. It starts with just showing up. It starts with walking across the room and saying, hey, how's it going? How can I help you in that? what, What do you need right now? And asking, can I do that? One of the things that God is constantly bringing up to my mind is that Showing up is about 90% of the work. That when you show up, you've already done most of the legwork. And so no matter how practical this being an Epaphras is for someone else, the one thing that it's not is that it's not accidental. You're not just going to accidentally be like, oh, I guess I'm here to bless you today. Oh, I guess I'm here to tell you about who God is and how he loves you today. 
but instead we need to be intentional. Incredibly intentional, and also incredibly creative. One of the things that I've been thinking about lately is, uh, as <laughs> we've been, as kind of abortion and the pro-life movement and all that has kind of taken center stage in our culture, I've been thinking a lot about um, CareNet and how I find it incredibly encouraging that God has used a group of Christian people to come together to provide a creative alternative to the <laughs> to abortion that most women face in this city. When I worked at his house, I would travel from church to church, especially in a lot of rural communities, and they'd say, man, we're praying for you in Madison in that heathen city. I'd be like, whoa, I, I kind of love that city, and I kind of love the people in that city. And they're like, yeah, but it's so dark, and it's so evil, and and Planned Parenthood, and yada, and I'm like, yeah, but, but there's also this great thing called CareNet there, who is ran by a bunch of Christians who have taken on the call of a new purpose of their life, the purpose of the kingdom of God, of preserving life, of providing real support to women, and they've actually answered the call, and they've been incredibly intentional about it. And the work that they're doing at CareNet is unbelievable. They're they have apartments now for women. The number of needs that they, they provide for women in counseling and education and for husbands and for, I mean, it, it's astounding. It's amazing. It's good news to the city of Madison. And it was all because God moved creatively in a group of people that said, man, there's a need over there and we need to meet it. And not just we need to meet it in a cursory type of way, but we need to meet it intentionally. And so they created this great thing. And like I said, I don't know if all of us are called to create great things or great foundations, but I do believe that we are all called to walk across the room. And we're all called to grow the gospel. Because one of the things that Paul says is true about a church that is growing in love, which I see happening all the time in our church, is that it overflows. That it continues to grow in abundance. And so it is my prayer that God would move us as a body to continue to spread the gospel wherever we're at, and that we would do it creatively, and that we would meet real needs in real places, not for our glory, but for the glory of our God who loves them. So it's here in this first chapter of Colossians that I see <laughs> that it is in Christ that we've been given a greater identity, that we've been called into a greater community of grace, and that we are equipped by his spirit to produce fruit that would increase among us. And so I want us to take some time this morning. I want to take some time to reflect and hear from the Holy Spirit. Where is he talking to us this morning? Where is he speaking to us? Because I think some of us, we need to just, you know, for as much as we talked about these three points, we need to stop at the very beginning of the sermon and just rest in our identity of what it is to be a saint. That Christ has given you the identity of sainthood, not based on your own performance. I know for me, last week, that's where I was at. I just needed to stop performing. I needed to stop finding my identity and my performance. Stop trying to prove myself to myself. Stop trying to prove myself to others, to my family. But to rest in the fact that I am claimed by God. And I am loved by him. And that where I am not good enough, 
he is sufficient in me. And so maybe you need to stop there. Maybe you need to just take a rest from all of your performance, from all of your trying to prove yourself, and just rest knowing that you are claimed by God who loves you. Maybe he's calling you to take a deeper step into community, into a greater commitment of the church. Maybe you've been coming to this church. Maybe you've been a a part of this church in kind of a cursory type of way. Maybe you have some relationships. But maybe Jesus right now is calling you to go deeper, into deep vulnerability, to begin to share what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life with those that are around you. Because maybe Jesus wants you to, to not just know about his forgiveness and grace in your life, but he wants you to experience it. And I think the number one way that we experience it is through community. I mean, you want to experience God's forgiveness? Go confess it to somebody in his body and hear them say, I love you and you're accepted and you are forgiven. Sometimes that has been the most real and healing ways that I've experienced God's love for me. It wasn't through a prayer in my own room, in my own closet, but it was with another person who by God's grace spoke his love and grace and forgiveness over me. And so maybe he's calling you to experience this greater community that is the church. And finally, maybe he's calling you to (coughs) go and be an Epaphras to somebody. Maybe he's pushing on you and saying, hey, I'm giving you a new spiritual gift right now so that you can go and meet a need that's currently not being met. Or maybe he's saying, hey, you know that spiritual gift that I've given you that you've just decided to neglect and forget about and push to the side? I really need you to tap into that because there's some people that have real needs and I want you to go and serve them and invest in them and bless those lives that are around you as Epaphras did. So I think there's kind of three different ways that we can hear from God. And I don't want you to be overwhelmed I don't want to be like, oh man, God's calling me in all these different ways. Our God is not a God of confusion, but he's one of clarity. And so I want us to take some time in this <laughs> season of uh, this next moment of re- reflection to, to hear from God. Where is he calling us? Is he calling us to rest in our identity? Is he calling us to greater community and vulnerability with one another? And where is he calling us to go serve? And maybe he's not even calling you to do any of that. Maybe he's speaking to you in a completely new way, in a way that we're not even talking about, because that's the way the Holy Spirit works sometimes. But I want us to take some time to be intentional to hear from him. And so as you see on the outline, the question is, what is God saying to you? And then what is he calling you to go and do about, do with that? So as we go into worship, we're going to spend some time worshiping, singing some songs. We're going to set out communion. Communion is going to be on the left and on the right. And You can uh, take the cracker and dip it into the juice and take it whenever you feel uh, moved in the next three songs. Um, We respond in prayer. We respond in giving because of God's generosity. Um, And we respond in worship. And so I just want to take some time to reflect on God's word that we've been given this morning and reflect on where God is speaking to us this morning. So would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have to come and look at your word. And God, we thank you that you have called us into a greater identity as a saint. We thank you that you've called us into a greater community that is your church. 
And God, we thank you that you've called us into a greater purpose, that is to love those that you've placed around us. God, I pray that you'd speak clearly to us and that we would hear from you this morning in the one area that you want us to grow the most in next. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. And God, may you allow us to be more open to ministering and loving and serving those that are around us in this church, but those that are around us in our community. God, we thank you that you're greater than all things. And that because of that, we can go forward without fear. That we can go forward with confidence and peace and love, ever growing in faith. In your name we pray. Amen.